Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. What a show we have for you today and we will review all of the weekend Serie action in what was definitely the most exciting weekend of the season so far and one of the most exciting weekends I can remember for a long, long time. So many incredible games, so many dramatic games, so many late goals, thrilling comebacks, thrilling matches, um, amazing goals, um, possibly the greatest comeback in Serie A history as Claudio Ranieri's Cagliari come back from 3-0 down with 18 minutes to go and down by a goal deep into injury time and they go on and win 4-3. Uh, it was just an unbelievable match. We'll talk about that. Interstate top of Serie A with a late Turam winner against Roma. Juventus beat Verona with, e- with an even later winner, 96-minute winner by Andrea Cambieso. Um while Napoli also had an incredible comeback, two goals down at half-time, getting outplayed by Milan. They come back and draw 2-2 and almost win it with the last kick of that game as well. Um, we'll also comment on uh, Sandro Tonali's ban. Um, we'll profile the breakout star of the Serie A season, Matteo Sule, um, and um, all the usual uh, Baggio and Prem face of the week at the end. So, for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode that we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all of the questions from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month, plus VAT. And you can now also sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify and we'll provide the link in the description. It's the same price and the same terms. And for all of you that do listen on Spotify, Apple, iTunes podcasts, we'd really appreciate if you give us a five-star rating, give us a follow and a like. We're on YouTube as well. Uh, it really helps us to grow and do more quality content for you. So let's get into today's show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Making your own podcast is fun. But the production of podcasts can also be challenging if you don't have the right software. With Zencaster, the whole process is quick and straightforward. Here at the Italian Football Podcast, we aim to have the highest of standards, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and fantastic HD video quality. Furthermore, it's really easy to use. Even boomers like Carlo can manage. There's nothing to download, just one click, and we start recording each episode. Zencaster ensures that your podcasting experience is easy and enjoyable. You don't even have to leave your browser as it possesses all the tools required to get the episode done, from local recording to automatic post-productions. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code ItalianFootball, one word. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Okay, right. So we'll start off from the, the Napoli against Milan game on Sunday evening. 2-2 draw, as I said. Milan 2-0 up at halftime. Napoli with a stirring comeback in the second half to draw draw 2-2. But just before we actually go into that game and what a game it was, first of all, I just want to say, Nima, not only what a game, but what a weekend. Because, you know, here on Italian Football Podcast, we've had to talk about a lot of negativity in, in Italian football recently. Mm. Uh, and, you know, all the stuff with the betting scandal, which we're going to talk about again <laughs> later on the show. 
uh, and all the stuff that's wrong in Italian football. But this weekend, Nima, was unbelievable. It was everything that we just love about Italian football. And it was just all the, all the great stuff about Italian football. There were just so many incredible matches, incredible comebacks, late goals. I mean, and this Napoli-Milan game was just the perfect... Uh, perfect end to uh, to just a, an incredible weekend of football, wasn't it? No, match day 10 uh, was, I think I tweeted it out after, <clears throat> after the game as well, that match day 10 of the Serie A has not only been one of the best, or has been the best this year, uh, this season, but it was, it's truly, it, it, for me, uh, I don't want to, uh, go too far ahead, but yeah, this match day ten of the Serie A twenty three twenty four season is is this week's bad job of the week for me. It had everything. I mean, it was just it had literally had everything from from drama to you know the world class saves, amazing goals, crazy comebacks. In I mean, just just everything, everything, everything. Everything, yeah, absolutely everything. And we'll talk about each of these amazing games um, as we go through the show. But we're obviously starting off with Napoli-Milan, which was just the, your your typical game of two halves because the first half was a great half by Milan and a very bad half from Napoli. Uh, Milan leading 2-0 into the break, um, created at least four big chances, scored two of them. They looked like scoring every time they came forward. They were cutting through Napoli at will. Napoli were awful. They didn't even have a shot on target, uh, although they did have one big chance with Politano at the back post, which he put wide um, of a virtual open goal. But apart from that, it was all Milan. And, you know, it looked at half-time like, it, you know, you, everybody thought, well, it could be 4 or 5 nil here. Uh, and Rudy Garcia job was probably on the line. And then Napoli come out second half, a triple change at half-time. They went for broke with a 4-4-2, which was really more of a 4-2-4. Um, they, they get it back to 2-2. They, 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 could have, they could have won it at the end as well, although Milan had chances to win it as well after the red card from, from Natan. But then at the last kick of the game, Kovara with a great save from, from Magnon. I mean, it's just it's so hard to analyse this game. Um, I, don't know where, I don't know where to start, put it that way, with the analysis. Well, it, was just, I mean, it was just I don't think we should start with that first half. I thought Milan did were very good. They looked like this kind of old, the, the, the Milan under Pioli when they're at their best, when they were just so, you know, they, they were so efficient and they looked ruthless. Because I actually don't think Napoli were poor in the first half in terms of how they played. I thought they were pretty all right. I thought they they did well. I thought they were in terms of you know how they looked on the pitch. I think I thought they were they, they were they were actually pretty good. Um, the issue was, of course, that when Milan are so ruthless and Giroud, Giroud, who <laughs> you know he hasn't scored for for I don't know how was it eight nine games or something, um, and he just he was just a killer, um, and and just. The, the air went out of Napoli. Um, but Napoli's defence, uh, they, they, that's where I think they, they, they were dreadful in the first half. Um, they just, I mean, people were blaming Meret for that first goal and, I, and so was I for, for, for the first, you know, when I looked at it. But then I've looked at it a couple of times and I think the head is, is so powerful and it's so close to him that, you know, I, I I I don't think it's a howler. I do think, however, Rahmani is what is that defending? I mean, it's 
it's really becoming uh, do, do, I don't know how to rate him anymore because on the one hand I've, I've always thought that he was a little bit underrated but then at the, on the other hand I'm like thinking no actually he's not underrated he might be a little bit overrated because of the fact that he's so inconsistent and, and now that he's supposed to lead this defense he's doing an absolute he's making a mess of it um, but but what I really liked about Milan was how calm and controlled and cool they looked um, but that Reinders shot that he should have scored and Pioli's reaction to that, that was, that was just an omen of what was to come in the second half, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just, just staying on Milan. If we, we, let's, let's, let's discuss this from the Milan side and then we can analyse um, Napoli side of things. I mean, we obviously have to give massive praise to Giroud. Um, he ended his drought 10 games without scoring. We were asking questions last week, you know, um, you know, he's overplayed. He, this was his third game in a week. So it's pretty ima- incredible that after three games in a week for a 37-year-old, he's able to, to do this. Um, but, you know, he, he's come here, two great headers. Um, the second goal especially, okay, we'll come on to Rachmani and criticise him. But, but you know, from a static position, it's very, so that's not an easy skill. That's a very difficult, that's the hardest skill as a, as a striker to when you're heading the ball is when you're static and you have to jump from a standing position, and which is basically what he did for the second goal. And he, he managed to generate that amount of power, his neck muscles and, and go above his, his man, but also out-muscle and hold off Rachmani. Um, you know, so that was that was fantastic. Uh, and he showed again, you know, big Serie A games. I mean, Giroud in the last two years, uh, you know, since the Scudetto season, I mean, incredible how many you know, big games he performs and obviously he's becoming a bit of a pain in the in the butt for Napoli over the last year or so with the Champions League last season as well. So we have to we have to praise him. Uh, and he's a winner as well. You saw how angry he was when he got when he got substituted. Um so first of all, give praise for Giroud. I'll give praise to the attack, the attacking fluency of Milan in the first half. I thought that there were some really good team moves, um, not just from Giroud, but Pulisic I thought I thought that was a big blow him coming off at half time. Reinders, like you said, Liao here and there, a bit inconsistent, but Teo and Calabria as well from fullback were, were, were all contributing to really great, to great team play. And I thought, yeah, this is a great reaction from Milan after the losses to, to Juventus and PSG. Then we have the second half, and there we this is where we need to kind of analyse kind of what went wrong for Milan. And um, first of all, I think that losing Pulisic at half time for Romero, I think that definitely affected Milan. Uh, in terms of the, the the shape and the 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 balance between the the attack and the defence, um, you know, I think obviously Pulisic is is, is able to, to to come back. He's he's fast. He's he he works hard. And 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 Romero is maybe a little bit more lightweight. Uh, you know, so I think that definitely affected the overall team collectively. Um, and you know, but I, I would like. I, I think we have to also give praise to, to Napoli as well for, for the comeback. But yeah, Milan lost their way. Maybe there was a little bit of tiredness, maybe from from Milan's point of view, having their third really tough opponent in the space of, of seven days. Maybe that came into it. Uh, I also want to say Mike Magnon, as much as we praise him, and, and for me, he's in the top two goalkeepers in the world, uh, and. Also, granted, he made a fantastic save right with the last kick from Kvaratskhelia. Otherwise, you know, they could have lost. But he was at fault for both goals. 
both goals. The first one from Politano, I mean, that shot is, I mean, it's a lot of power, but it's, it's straight, it's straight at him into the roof of the net. And the second goal from Raspadori, as great of a shot it was and as great as a free kick, at the end of the day, if, you, if it's a free kick and you the, the player scores on the side of the wall that you're, that you're defending, it's the goalkeeper's fault. Um, so that's a goalkeeping error. Um, I, I think for the, the second goal, goal, for the second goal, I have to say, I, I think his mistake was where the way he positioned his wall. As well, I agree. Yeah, that I agree. was both, more both, but yeah. for me because I think uh, because of the fact that he didn't position his wall well, that meant that he was. It was almost in the middle, wasn't it? It was kind yeah. of in the middle, the middle of it was like guard in the middle of the goal. Yeah, rather think, than the side. yeah it, that's what I think is is why he because I mean at that point you're thinking well you know, where was the wall and why, you know, and, and that kind of made his position strange too. Um, the first goal, um, I think it's one of the goals of the season contender by Politano. That is just fantastic. Uh, the, what he does ahead of that, and also, especially after, you know, missing in the first half, that, that sitter. But yes, it is. But it, but then again, it is central. But you have to remember, it, it is, there's not a lot of distance and there's quite a lot of power in it. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's a howler. You can say it's a mistake. I mean, I put it in the same category as with Meret. I think maybe a bit bigger, I'd say, than the Meret one. Uh, but yeah, look, he wasn't fantastic. He also made a big handling error before at two yeah. one, which yeah, yeah. earlier when there was somebody yeah. I think it might have been Tamori did a fantastic goal saving block. To yeah. stop so he didn't have a. I mean, but then no, he, he did you know, not he have did, a good night. He didn't he have did a good night. A good he did night. make the save at the end, so he kind of yeah. At least he did something at the end, but. Yeah, I think Magnon uh, didn't have a didn't have a good night, um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a difficult one to put your put your finger on exactly what went wrong with Milan in the second half and, and whether or not we should just maybe be, be praising Napoli um, for their comeback. Um, but they didn't. Yeah, they, they they were getting overwhelmed for for a good twenty twenty five minutes in that second half. Then I think once it got to two two, maybe Napoli ran out of steam a little bit themselves for a while. And it kind of until that kind of crazy injury time after the, the red card, it was kind of went quiet and nothing really happened. And then Milan could have won it themselves with, with that Calabria header um, with, with um, you know, before the, the Cavara moment at the end. So it was, it was just an amazing game. Sometimes you just have to say, wow, what a game. Two teams that really went for it. It was a, it was a joy, privilege to watch this game. It was it was like watching one of the great Serie A games from the, the 90s. It was, it was, yeah, it was a quality, game. It, was a quality well, game. it wasn't two bad teams, you know, defending badly. Okay, there wasn't, there was some bad defending, but it was, I think it was more down to great quality, I think, this game. No, I agree. And, and also, you have to, yeah, we, it would be very disingenuous of us if we don't acknowledge the fact that Milan were decimated in defence um, mm. as well, um, which they were. And, and, <laughs> Pellegrino, who came on, is not supposed to. I mean, they, how many central defenders do they have? I mean, they had Kier away. Um, suspended. Chiao suspended. And then Kalulu gets injured. I mean, <laughs> it's just when it rains, it pours, doesn't it? Um, and, and Marco Pellegrino, God bless, but he was not ready uh, at no. all. Um, and, and, you know, it is what it is. It happens to everyone. Uh, but I do think that. Um, you know, and then obviously, you know, when, when you, he takes out, you know, brings on Florenzi, moves, plays him as a left back, plays Teo as a, as a left center back. I mean, that's, that's very, very makeshift. Um, mm. we got, so, so it is what it is, but overall, I think 
over the but over two halves, I think it's a fair it's a fair result. Um, even though you know, I mean, after Natan gets sent off, I'm I'm thinking, well, Milan can actually come back and win this. Um, but I have to. We have to look the the three changes. If I'm going to look at this from a Napoli perspective, making three changes at half time and it having the effect that it did, Ostigord was good. Oliveira was very good. Simeone, he's no Victor Osiman, but he's a very mobile, very dynamic player. And he's, he gave them a box threat, yeah. Gives them a box threat. It gives it give them profondita, as they say in Italy. And his movement and link up play as well, it, it kind of helped Napoli play the way they usually like to play. And to me, from a Napoli perspective, the most positive thing of this is that despite all the problems with Garcia, the fact that you get a reaction from the team like you did. That is very positive because I mean, if 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 he'd made those three changes, nothing happened, and Milan go on and win three one or or four for whatever, mm. then that is that's it. Then then basically that's essentially Napoli season because then Garcia gets sacked. Yeah, no, it shows he hasn't completely lost the dressing room. If he's no, he has, and, and that is very encouraging from a Napoli perspective because uh, you don't want to, regardless of what you think about Rudy Garcia, and you and I are no big fans of him. You don't want to sack a coach in the middle of the season because it kind of, you know, that that's like the, that's when all other you know options have been exhausted, because it kind of creates you know the it, it screws up the season essentially because then you got to have a new coach come in. He's got to build in his his own. Yeah, you know, it, it's a dangerous. I think we have thing. to give. I think we have to we have to give credit for to, to Garcia. He he. Yeah, I mean the first half. Okay, that's also on him. How bad they were the first half. Mm. They they didn't look like a team. They they were they were again like everything that we've said about you know that there's no cohesion in the team that the, the departments are not are not together. There's too many gaps in between the defence and the midfield and the midfield and the attack. It's so easy for Milan to play through them, with the, especially on the transitions. The, the pressing wasn't there. The organisation wasn't there. Like everything that we associated with Luciano Spalletti wasn't there, and that, and that has been too, all too common this season, unfortunately. And that was what we saw in the first half. Um, the second half, Napoli were a completely different team. Um, mm. Whatever he said and did at half time, it worked. It got a reaction, uh, and they were, you know, the the, the intensity was there. The, the 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 team play was there, doing some really nice moves. They were they were really overwhelming Milan. Like I said in the first half, first half of that second half, um, and and they got the two goals. They were creating. They created two other big chances. I mean, it was it was a totally different uh, Napoli team. Um, I mean, the only thing, the one, if I'm looking at this from a negative point of view, though, I would say that it was a desperate move from Garcia, and that can also be looked at negatively. It was a case of he's gone, he went for broke, let's be honest. He went for broke in that second half. He went, I mean, he said he went to a 4-4-2. It was really a 4-2-4. It was, it was Kvara and, and uh, Politano playing as a left and right midfielder, but playing really high up. Really, really high up, uh, and then the fullbacks pushing forward as well. Especially Oliveira, they were pushing high up as well. So it, it was really, it was almost like a two-two-six. They they <laughs> went for they went for broke. They went for broke, and they were leaving gaps for for Milan. And Milan, maybe you know, they, they weren't able to get. They didn't manage to get out, which is to, to Napoli's credit. But um, you know, they weren't for it. Was a de- it was a bit of a desperation move, and, and Napoli can't be in these positions where they're, they're 
they're in they're in is desperation because it's you know it's not gonna they're not gonna have a successful season like this. And then at the end of the day, they've still dropped two points here. They needed to win this game. They were gonna stay in the Scudetto race. They're now seven points behind Inter in the league. So you know, yes, it's positive, but also if we look at the bigger picture, it's still a it's still a negative result in terms of the overall picture for, for Napoli and, and the defence, especially the, the defence is 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 it's not good enough for, 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 for Napoli. It's it's, it's too open. They can see too many chances game after game. I mean, the first goal, the marking on Giroud. I mean, where was the marking? Well, that's what I mean, Rahmani. I mean, sweet mother of God. Like, you know, when I, when I saw that first, I was thinking, oh, I, I actually think Merit should have that because, um, you know, he's got he, he gets his arm up and he should mm. he should be strong enough to try to block that. But then I'm thinking, well, it is very close. It is a it was close and it was powerful. It's one it of those powerful, where exactly it's one I, of those where maybe the, maybe the maybe the the top three or five exactly. goalkeepers in the world would say, that, say but, that but it's yeah. not a it's not a mistake it's, it's, no, it's just not a mistake and it's not a howler but what is a mistake is Rahmani what in God's name is he doing um a he's uh, I mean when he came off Napoli were better I thought Ostergaard was much better mm. um and he gave well the Napoli. second goal as well. He was at blame. He was out muscled, yeah. and and like yeah. I said, when I was describing what Giroud did well. You know, again, that's Rachmani's. You know, been 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 done there for that second goal. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did. And, and I, I think mean, we should I mean, be yeah, asking the question. Well, yeah, yeah. I think we well. should be asking the question. Did is Kim did Kim Min Jae make him look better than he actually mm. is? And before I'm not that, saying he did. I'm just saying that there's a question to be asked there because that before, can happen. And before that, Koulibaly. I mean, you know. Mm. It's, it's yeah. It just feels like at some point we might have to ask these questions about Ahmani because now he doesn't have one of the two brilliant central defenders that Napoli had, uh, uh, Koulibaly or Kim and Jay, and now he has to be the leader and he's not being... Yeah, well, a world-class centre-back will always make the player next to them look, look, look better than they are. Yeah. It's always, you know, I remember Cannavaro when he was in his peak, he used to... For the Italy national team, I mean, he used to make. I'm not saying they were bad players, but you know, like Materazzi for Italy or or Bazzali before he he was the Juventus Bazzali. You know, Cannavaro. I remember watching him in the World Cup. I mean, he made those players look like look look, look, look like you know world class players. You know, mm. that's that's what a, an, an absolutely fantastic defender can do. So, you know, I'm not saying that is the case, but but he is struggling, uh, Rachmani. He's making mistakes. And and the other thing I've noticed about Napoli's defence is aerially they were so strong under Spalletti last mm. season. Now they look like conceding. Every time a cross comes in, they're positionally, they're off. I mean, look at the goal they conceded last week. Again, that was a Rachmani mistake where he lost the flight of the ball and then and then uh, I think it was Di Lorenzo let it hit him. Um, and and uh, who was it? Was it Cagliari? Who did Napoli play last uh, the week before when they won They won well? The goal they conceded. Hellas. Was Verona. it Hellas? Yeah, yeah was it Verona? So. Yeah, yeah. The goal they conceded in that game. Have a look at the goal they conceded. Again, just from a simple cross. So they're not defending crosses and aerial balls well and they're giving up too many chances. Um, you know. But on the flip side, the attack the attack looked good in the second half. And, and Kralat Scalia, again, was incredible. He was, he was amazing. He was Politano, very good. And Politano was, was good as well. Yeah, no, Politano scored one of the goals of the season. I mean, that is just what... Um, but, we, I mean, if we're going to... It is fantastically well done individually by Politano, but sweet mother of God, Teo Hernandez, what is going on? If we're talking mm. about defensive errors, he's been—he's not been very good this season defensively. I think no, yeah. he, I think there's been something inconsistent. I, I i think he was very inconsistent last season as well, especially mm. in Serie A. Definitely, yeah. I thought he was very inconsistent last season. 
Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, this season, I think yeah. it's 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 showing. It's really showing. Mm-hmm. And but it's uh, no, no. Kvara, Kvara was just um, so good yesterday. Amazing, um, amazing. He's, he's, he's I, I have to say, I, I think his only mistake was that shot at the end. I think that's that's not a very good finish. I think it's too centrally on the goalkeeper. No, you know, if if Mignon lets that in. Then, then that is a howler. He laced it. He laced it. He's laced it. He he went for power, and and and, and he maybe he should have gone for a little bit more precision um, with, mm-hmm. with the shot. Agreed. If you place yeah, anyway. that in, then 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 that's a goal. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to to Inter Inter Roma. Uh, another another fantastic, uh, well, dramatic ending, and we're, and we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of those in, in today's show. Um, I mean, this this game. Is quite easy to summary so to summarise. It was only one team playing, and that was Inter. They dominated possession and territory from the first minute to last. They created a lot of chances. It took them until the eighty-first minute before they finally scored. And Roma, we'll come to Roma in a minute, but Roma were just non-existent. But if we take this from Inter's point of view, I mean, this was this was it was only Inter playing it, and they were t- totally dominant in this game, and and they finally got the win. Nima. This was probably the game that I've enjoyed the most from Inter um, in terms of tactical approach and maturity over 90 minutes. Because that's what Inter, that's how I would describe, if I were to describe Inter's performance with one word, it's maturity. And it's a maturity that I've been wanting to see over 90 minutes, not just for a half. I've seen them do it for one half or 50 minutes. But I saw through over a game now where they they were just in control. They were so switched on, concentrated, um, focused on the the job at hand, had an answer and a tactical flexibility for everything. I mean, if Inter attack from the right, from the left, down the middle, they, they were just keeping Roma on their toes um, and didn't, it's one of those games where usually we've seen with Inter when they don't when they when they have chances and they don't score and they dominate. I think they have twelve goals shots on goal in the first half or something stupid like that, and they don't. They didn't score. Usually they get frustrated, but here there was no frustration. They just continued to 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 just you know drum away, playing their football, playing following their tactics, following their game plan, you know and. Finally, thanks to the substitutes, and I want to talk about the substitutes, uh, Christian Aslani, that is a world-class play. He's been a player who Inter believe a lot in, but he's also a player where, you're, where, where, where he's not really had that much of an impact when he's, whenever he started or played. But this is where it's, you know, he needs to start delivering because this is now him he has to start mounting a challenge to start to, for a starting position and whenever he's and, and in order to do that whenever he's called on as a substitute he has to deliver and boy did he um um not just for that glorious cross ball to di marco but also overall and he's got such a right attitude. I loved what he said after the game, where he said, "Look, you know, Chalanoglu and him were taught, you know, were, were praising each other, and they have had, they've got this bromance almost." Where, but Chalanoglu for a week has been saying, "You know, he's like my little kid brother," uh, and then Aslani says, "Look, I, he's one of the best playmakers in the world. I, I learn from him every training session. I have to improve defensively. He tells me what to do." Um, immediately said, "You know, that that shot at the end, that Cristante." 
uh, had I should have done better there because I assumed that Fratesi was going to push up, but I but I shouldn't have assumed I should have done. I mean, that is just I, I love where he is and Inter are mentally. This is a group of players, Inzaghi and Marotta and Auxilio, especially Inzaghi, they've created a working environment where these guys really get on well uh, on and off the pitch. And it's an environment where, yes, you're competing for a starting position, but they help each other. Um, you know, when Aslani says, you know, Chalanoglu tells me what to do in training so I can improve every training session, um, uh, you know, they're fighting, for, they're, they're playing, for, they're, they're vying for the same spot. But you've created that kind of environment where there is competition, but there's also this kind of unity. That's that's a very difficult spirit and and and, and work work environment to create. But but they have done that, and I think that, and also and, and I think that kind of leads on to the maturity aspect as well, where Inter, you know, it doesn't matter who starts, who plays, who comes on, who comes off. They have a game plan. They have an answer. They have a clear blueprint for how they want to play in both phases, and. It's it's a blueprint in attack that keeps teams guessing because they can play down the left, they can play down the right, they can play down the middle. The link up plays, the little movements. Uh, it's it's. Mm. I was very impressed. I genuinely, genuinely enjoyed watching this Inter from the first to the last minute tactically, and and also the fact that you know when you uh, th- this can't be understated. Uh, or overstated rather, when you have a situation like yes, like that game where your goalkeeper has nothing to do, and then the opposition comes at you with a, with, with the Cristante header, your goalkeeper when he makes a save like that, and then when he when 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 he when he shows that he's he's got this awareness and he's still he's switched on, that creates belief and confidence as well. Um, so no, Inter Inter are doing. Very well. I was very impressed. This is exactly the kind of development I wanted to see after the opening nine games where you've seen a few missteps, you've seen some fantastic performances, but I wanted to see a controlled, mature performance. And that's exactly why I saw it. It was total control. Over 20 shots to one, 65% possession, hit the bar twice. Uh, and it wasn't easy to break down a team that were literally 11 men in their six-yard box. Um, so, you know, it was, it was you know, it came eventually. Um the only negative I would say is not really a negative, but just a you know just just what what happened is um, you know it wasn't that many clear 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 cut chances like like we sometimes see um, when Inter dominate these games, but that was also because of the way Roma played. There wasn't many spaces to play. Um, we do have to give though again to Ram. Um, you know he's becoming you know a, a, a player that can resolve these matches that are you know nil nil or you know, to, to win the games. We've seen that now. This is not the first time we've seen that. And he's he's proven to be an incredible signing in front of his dad, his legendary dad, Lillian, who was sitting there and wasn't sure whether to celebrate or not because he's a Juventus legend and, and uh, his son's playing for Inter. He was kind of, mm, should I celebrate or not? He was kind of like, well, maybe that's just who Taram is. He's, he's kind of that kind of person. Um, it was a great assist by DiMarco. I thought DiMarco and Dumfries were very, very good. Uh, on the flanks, um, for, for Dumfries was 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 very good, very good. Wow, that's that was just the way that he he was bullied Zalewski for most of the first mm. half, um, and he just he, he was completely switched on. And look, 
I've been critical of him for his individual or the the deficiencies he's got technically. And I think sometimes his read of the game, but if he's going to continue playing like this, as he's done these opening 10 games, and, and especially against Roma, if this is the new Dumfries, then we're seeing a player that has taken the next step, the salto di qualità that they talk about in Italy. He's, 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 he is taken, he, he will then have taken a step upwards. Inzaghi will have made him a better player because this season he has been very good. And I think the game against Roma was probably his best one. He's been, he was absolutely Yeah, what impressed me was there was one moment that kind of um, epitomized all that. And that was um, when he, he, he bodied. As the mm. as the kids say, he bodied um, uh, Lukaku. Which yeah. let me tell you, yeah. with Lukaku in his current shape, is is not easy thing to do because Lukaku has been massive. My God, what has happened to him? He's gone. He's like a monster. Um, but um, but yeah, we, let's talk about Lukaku because it was all. This was about Lukaku. I just wanted to before we go to to Lukaku. I just want to talk to Ram. The thing that I think is is the most fantastic thing about him is that he's a good he's very his link-up play is brilliant his his aerial ability is brilliant but more importantly dribbles he tried six dribbles yesterday and he succeeded every single one that's what's so god bless Lukaku never dribbled anyone when he played for Inter um Turam is looking like the complete kind of striker the only thing of course is is that he needs to become more prolific but I mean if you're involved in nine ten goals nine goals in opening ten games you know, that, that's also a salto di qualità. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the player that he re- the player he replaced mm. into Romelu Lukaku, I mean, it was all about him going into this game. And the funny thing is that there was all this big talk about the whistles and, you know, the whistle, the, the Inter fans were banned from, from bringing in the whistles into the stadium. I, d- I don't know how many managed to bring them in in the end. But the, the point was, they didn't even have a chance to whistle him barely at all in this game. And in fact, I counted he got his first touch in the 10th minute of this <laughs> of this game. So it wasn't really... I mean, it, it wasn't even a story in the end, um, Lukaku, because, I mean, it was... I mean, that was just the kind of game it was. But, I mean, if, I'm, if I am talking about Lukaku, I mean, he must have been thinking... He must be thinking uh, at the end of that game, or even during that game, what have I done to my career? Uh, and this, this this isn't a knock on Roma because I appreciate that Roma w- were also decimated. They had half their team out in this game uh, with injury, so it wasn't easy, and it's never easy going to to, to Inter, who are obviously a better team than Roma. So it was never going to be easy, but there is playing defensive uh, and being organised, and then there is doing what. Mourinho, and Mourinho wasn't on the bench, but he obviously prepared this game. But they was doing what Mourinho did in this game. Uh, and it was just an embarrassment. It was an embarrassment. I mean, I criticise Allegri sometimes for, for being defensive. This was a joke. They made no attempt at all to play any football in this game. At all. They were just, they were 11 men in their penalty area for, for, for basically the entire game. Awful. They had a zero XG in the first half. Zero. Zero. <laughs> zero XG. I mean, that's almost impossible to have a zero XG. First, their first shot of the game was the 64th minute, which was actually that great save that you mentioned there from Cristanti's header. That's it. Um, they defended so deep, so, so deep. Um, they were just, all their only intention was to break up the game, petty fouls. Um, and, you know... Brian Cristante, said, Brian Cristante said it best after the game. He said, we, we played for the draw. Mm. There's no, you know, you know, there was no hiding even. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, uh, you know, there, there, there is, 
you know, there's been defense, and then, and you can say they almost got away with it. They were nine minutes away from it, so so maybe mm. I know some might say it was the right thing to do. But I think there's there's being defensive and organized, and then there's there's this, which is just way over the top, and you know, is something that we've been critical of of Mourinho, you know, at his time at Roma, especially in Serie A, that you know it's been too much, it's been too far this 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 way. Uh, I and, do want to, but then again, I mean, the, no Dybala, no Spinazzola, no Pellegrini. I mean, it's, you know, Roma don't have that much depth and when you're missing that much attacking, you know, quality, then I kind of get that you just want to, you know, it's a league game, you just want to get rid of it. Um, yeah, but it was too much. It was over the top. It was way it over, was the, over top. the top. I'm not going to deny that. It was. I mean... <laughs> I do understand the injuries, but I mean, there's, I mean, there's parking the bus, which I think is what Mourinho popularized that phrase. I mean, yeah. it was, wasn't parking the bus. This was, I mean, what was this? <laughs> yeah, this was building a nesting in, in yeah. the pen, yeah. This was nesting in the penalty area. This was essentially moving into your penalty area and building a city in there. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was, it was, it was weird. But I do understand. I mean, at the end of the day, they just lost one nil. They, I thought defensively they were all right. Um, I they, thought Lorente was actually good until yeah. until the goal. Uh, until the goal, he was actually he was actually really good. Um, but I mean Lukaku, just, yeah, but just coming back to what to, to Lukaku. I mean Lukaku must be thinking, you know, Inter. You know, I could have been at Inter, a team that's challenging for the major trophies, including in Europe. I mean, why not in Europe? And I'm at Roma, a team that, and this is this is what I have to do. I have to be here. Playing for a team where, um, to say feeding off scraps to to to, to quote Nicola Antonio would would again be an understatement. I mean, this was. Well, I don't I don't think this is necessarily a, a fair representation of Roma this season under him. I mean, he, they do they have also been more attacking in different games, and he has scored quite a few. Yeah, it goals. does show the it shows the gap between the team he's playing That's for the true. Team and the team that he could have been playing for. But but then again, Lukaku isn't the striker he was when he was playing for teams that. Worst were challenging for maybe Scrooge. not he's, maybe he's not, just not he's that still, player anymore. He's still, he's still and, doing well, and he, he's, he's not well. helped himself with what he did with with last summer, uh, the, the antics of last summer. Which I have to say, the mean girls stare that Francesco Acerbi gave Lukaku after they shook supposedly high five before the game made me choke with laughter. It was, I mean, f- we, f- that entire sequence is like. It's just so funny. Um, Lautaro, he tries to hug Lautaro, who slides away. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> then he goes to Barella. Barella barely, barely airs him. Yeah. I mean, it's like he, it's like one of those, like yeah, high, like not even, not even it's looking. Like John at you. Terry versus Wayne Bridge. Do you remember well, that? Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Acerbi who high fives him, and then turns around and gives him like this Mean Girls high school like draw, you know, don't you know, bitchy stare. Di Marco barely looks at him. I mean, it was comedy. Um, but it look, it just reinforces that whatever happened, it's not him wanting not to go to Inter. This is her. The, 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 this dressing room is angry with him. Chalanoglu after the after the game said no comment and just his change is the, the demeanor on his face changed. Like they 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 feel betrayed by I don't know what he's done to them. But this is not. These are his teammates, you know. Um, or his former teammates, and they are genuinely pissed off and angry with him. Mm. Um, and that is just, you know, regardless of what you can say that happened between him and Marotta and Auxilio, 
the dressing room, you, when the dressing room and the players in the dressing room, that's, that's usually something else. You have players leaving clubs all the time. But this, this is just pure. They don't, they are angry with him. They are, they just don't want to talk to him anymore. Um, and it's, it's truly remarkable. I, I can't remember seeing anything like this, to be honest, before. Yeah, no, absolutely. Is is uh, that's what I mean? I think uh, deep down, even though if he won't admit it, Lukaku must be thinking, "What what have I done? What have I done to myself?" Um, just last note on on Roma, their away record. I was I was I was looking at this because I, I noticed that Roma have been so bad away from home for a while. So I, I went and dug out and had a look at the stats. And um, in twenty twenty three, this calendar year, in all competitions, this is their away record: one four. Drawn seven, lost eleven. That's just shocking. And in Serie A, it's one three, drawn five, lost eight. I mean, absolutely horrific. So that is uh, obviously a big, 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 big issue. Big, big problem for Roma. I mean, if there's any, I mean, if there's any hope at all of them of them wanting to dream of of getting in the top four this season, I mean, it's just not going to happen with an away record like that. And I think that goes again can be tied back to to Mourinho and style of play um that they, you know they're too they're too over defensive and too too counter attacking and you know you you play away from home and 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 you're and you're this negative i mean it's not easy to to get results so um so yeah they 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 have to absolutely have to sort out that away record um let's move on to 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 Juventus who who stay in the in the the title hunt uh, they remain Two points behind uh, Inter, uh, and now they're second. They're now second in the table. Juventus now, right? Um, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, there's the Juve are second. Just, yeah, yeah are second the in the league. No, they're second in the league. Um, yeah, um, they are. Inter twenty five points first. Juventus yeah. twenty three, and they've moved above Milan because of Milan's draw. Milan twenty two, Napoli eighteen. Um, so, so yeah, they, they, they move up to second. Um, and I mean, again, another dramatic ending in, in this game. They, they, they scored in the 96th minute, um, goal from Cambiasso, which is, which I think was, was, a, was just a lovely story because there's, it's gone viral. There's this lovely picture of him as a mascot, Juventus mascot in 2010 yeah. as a kid, uh, which has been put next to, uh, side by side with the, with the image of him scoring his first ever Juventus goal. Which, which went viral. And he's a player I really believe in and he was fantastic when he came on. He caused all kinds of trouble on the, le- on the left. So I really hope that he gets more chances because I, I really do believe in this guy. Um, but, but yeah, talking about Juventus as, as a whole, um, of course they're playing against a poor team, but I actually think this was Juventus' best performance of the season. Um, I, you know, Juventus have won other games this season and I've come here and not really been that enthused by it and just been like, okay, they got the win, but they didn't play well. Uh, and it's not really sustainable. Um, this is this was the kind of performance that we need to see more of from Juventus um, if they are going to to actually pose a challenge for the, for the Scudetto this season and, and really progress and move forward. They, they created so many chances. They played good football. They put together good moves. Those patterns of play, which which I taught, there there was actually some patterns of play. Uh, I mean, Moisa Kane put about five goals in this game. We have two disallowed. Vlaovic should have scored. Chiesa had one off the line. Yildiz missed a sitter. Um, it just seemed like it wasn't meant to be. They should have had a penalty. And then they finally scored in the in the ninety the 96th minute. Um, so, yeah, if we're looking at this for overall, um, 
Yeah, I, I think it was a, a very, very good attacking performance. They had six big chances. They had 30 shots and they had a 3.34 XG, which maybe, must be surely the highest of Allegri's reign. Uh, so I thought they were really, really good. Yes, I know Verona are not a good team. They got hammered by Napoli last week and, they, and they've, they've really descended into the kind of performances that we kind of, we predicted at the beginning of the season when we had them as, uh, we had them down as, a relegation uh, candidate. Well, they're, they're now starting to look like a team that could struggle again against relegation. But you know, from Juventus' point of view, I thought they were really, I thought they were really, really good. Um, and I think Moise Keane probably epitomises the game quite well and Juventus' performance because his all-round game again was was so so impressive. Um, this is someone that you know. We we've been speaking about. I've been I I pinpointed a few weeks ago about how I'm seeing definite improvements. And, oh, there's no doubt. Now he, we can't even talk about whether or not there is improvement. There is improvement. He has improved. He has taken a step too uh, in quality. There's no doubt about that. He his ability to link up, you know, hold off players, um, and he's also without losing speed is. That's 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 inc- that's an incredibly important. Th- those are incredibly important characteristics. Um, the problem, I think, the only thing left is still his finishing. Which, if he can improve that, then you have a top class player. Then you really have everything. I mean, you, he, he's he's aerially strong. His linker play is good. He's quick. Technically, he's good. If he can start scoring as well, well, then congrats, Juve. Congrats, Italy. You have a top class player on your hand. Yeah, and I think that I agree with all of that. Um, I think everything in his game, apart from the finishing, um, which I'll come improved. to in a second, has, has really improved. Um, his his hold-up play, his his movement, his link-up, um, his dribbling as well, you know, like the way that he beat his man, took on his man. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's always been a strong guy, but he's now using that, that strength and muscle and physique in the right way. I mean, he's just... He's so strong. He's, a, he he's an absolute beast. With, with, with like, can't push him off the ball. He just outmusted players, and he's still young. That's why he's only twenty three. That's the you know? thing. And, he's and still he's very young. So so strong. Um, and I mean, that first goal. I mean, the way he outmuscled two players off the ball. I mean, it was, it was actually quite scary. Um, yeah, it was. You know, he, he's that strong. He he really is that strong. Um, and but yeah, but his finishing. I mean, just to come on his finishing, he actually had two fantastic finishes for the goals that were disallowed in this game. So yeah. I just do, I do feel like he's been really unlucky as well. Yeah, there he, he was a, unlucky. He had an amazing no finish uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm try, I'm forgetting which team it was where he he got the ball in the right channel and he unleashed an, a magnificent right foot shot into the, the near post top corner, and he got that got disallowed as well. Um, so he has had some really really good finishing. Um, he has just been very unlucky, but you know he's gone eleven. <laughs> Sounds crazy we're praising him this much when he's gone 11 games without a goal. Um, but, you know, looking past that, definitely he, he's improving. I thought the second goal disallowed, I thought was very harsh. I have to be honest. I thought it was very, very harsh. Um, it's it's because of the elbow movement. Like, they they will always look at that. They, or they're supposed to always look at that. Um, you can't do that, whether you're defending or, or attacking as a player. You just, that's something they look for. Um 
and 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 I th- I think it was more unlucky than anything. I mean, he's not he's trying to you know he's he, like all players when they're trying to go for the ball, they're trying to control the ball and and, and he's trying you, to get away from his from his marker who yeah. has two hands on him for starters. Yeah. Um, mm. And and he's really barely brushed him in the face. Farioni's conduct was embarrassing. He's up. He's watching the play. He's on his knees watching the play. As soon as he sees Keane score the goal, he falls to the ground and starts holding his face. It was embarrassing. Um, but, but they you know, will always look for that, that like that kind of because there's one thing of pushing and challenging and pushing and tugging, and, and that's you know that's a you, you, the referees will have to decide what they want to do there. But when as soon as you have that in the face thing, then it becomes something else, regardless of how hard or little. Or yeah, whatever. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But I just think it was such a bare, bare brush. Yeah, um, no, it, it was. It was. I mean, I think. It's, I think yeah, I think it's I think it's harsh, but I can kind of understand it. Yeah. I think it's harsh at the same time. I thought yeah. the re- the referee though, uh, and not just against Juventus because I'll come on to Gatti. I thought the referee was, was, was punching Juric was, 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 was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Gatti could maybe should be sent off for that for, 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 for a slap. <laughs> it's a slap. Him. It's not punch. It's a slap. But he, oh, he's, he's still so he's still, he's, he's still hit him. The, the referee misses that. Chiesa had a clear penalty which he didn't mm. which he didn't give clear penalty. He didn't even look at it. Mm. Um, then there's the, um, well, that's more VAR, isn't it? I mean, that, that's or how the communication was. Yeah, but, yeah okay, no. fair enough. The officials then. Let's say the well, officials, I think the, yeah, I think the officials did not. But the like referee also very... missed some blatant ones. There was mm. there was three clear corners and a, uh, for Juventus and one clear corner uh, uh, for for Verona, which the referee's right there in front of them, front of the play, and he gives the wrong decision. I mean, the referee was awful in this game um, mm. for both sides. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, no, no, I think Hellas had, had like shout penalty shouts as well. No, I, I think this was, this could have deteriorated in any other like game. I don't think this was a very good. Refer- and I want to give Allegri credit for that. And this is one thing I do give credit for Allegri is that when, you know, th- there's a feeling that decisions are going against your team. Allegri is very, very good at kind of, keeping calm and making sure that the team keeps their head. And that's one thing I think Allegri's always been very good at. Very good at that. He he never, ever says anything about the referee. He's very, that's been his thing throughout his career. Not never, ever to say anything, whether it goes against or for, he just doesn't say anything. Mm. He, he might, when things, when things are really bad, he might say, look, we might want to discuss this or, you know, the referee or someone has to explain to me what that was, Mm. but, but he's very, um, He's very consistent with that. And he's been like that at Milan, at Cagliari, at Juve, both 10 years. I mean, everywhere he's been, he's been very consistent about not Yeah, and if there's a reason why they scored in the 96 minutes, it's also because they kept their heads and they kept going. And, you know, that is, you know, I I, I want to praise Allegri, but I do want to praise the performance. I'm You know, all I can say to Allegri is if Juventus play like this every game, I'm going to soon be your be a fan of you again, like <laughs> like I was in 2015. You know, just to, just so everyone don't think, oh, he's always anti-Allegri. This was a great performance. This is, this is how Juventus have to play. Yes, I acknowledge he wasn't a good opponent. It's not a good opponent. And, you know, maybe that played a part into it, but you know, I think it was it was good to watch. I enjoyed it. I don't watch enjoy watching Juventus much. Uh, well, now, rarely at all. This was an enjoyable game to watch, even though it took to the ninety sixth minute to score. I was enjoying watching them Juventus play. Um, you know, so that was uh, yeah. And Juventus temporarily went top, which was the first time since <laughs> Sari since the Sari. Yeah. Obviously, Inter have gone back ahead, but um, yeah. So, no, look, that Juve Inter game after the international break is looking very interesting. Yeah, um, you know, it's that's going to be. Uh, I mean, that that run for both Inter and Juve until Christmas. It'd be lovely if if they they go into that game with like 
you know, no more than three points in between them. Like it could, you know what I mean? As a, as an actual Scudetto mm. showdown, that would be, that would be fantastic. That would, that would be so much, so much riding on that game. If that's the case. Mm. No, is, the I mean, game, is the game in Inter, is the game at Milan or is it in? No, it's Korea? in, it's at Juve Stadium. Um, right. The first one or Allianz Stadium uh, mm. is, is there, but no, look, Juve got Fiorentina and then Cagliari at home. And then of course, after the international break Inter. And this is what I mean. <laughs> look, when, when after 10 games, he's two points off the top spot. Um, his teams usually traditionally play well after Christmas. And mm. this is what I'm saying. He's only got one game to play a week. And if he if he mounts a serious title challenge with this squad um, and these players all, you know, no, Moise Ken improving, Cambiasso looking this good, you know, Gatti, if he can, you know, because he's also, I mean, he's had shockers, but if he can also, I thought he was pretty all right, besides, you know, that, that ridiculous slap in Juric's mm. stomach or face, but I thought he was all right as well. I mean, if he can continue to get these players to play as well. He on the table in this game, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I thought McKenney was all right as well. No, um, no, no, I'm sorry. You've gone too far. McKenney was not okay. Well, not when he went to right. wing back. He was awful when he went to wing back. Awful at wing back. Oh my god! And yeah. the fact that Locatelli is, is, is a regista. Locatelli was out. good. Yeah, Locatelli was good in this game. Locatelli was good. Um, the defense was good. The defense. I mean, the defense has kept all clean sheets since the since the Sassuolo game as well. Yeah. So, no, so, they they fixed yeah. that. Um, and and no, no. Look, if they continue to play, and again, it's just one game a week. Um, so people don't. You know, that's what I was saying. Count out you at your own peril. Lovic wasn't good actually. I'm also starting, yeah. I'm starting to think now whether Kane could almost push Vlaovic out of the team if Chiesa comes back and starts. I mean, there's that question to be had. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question to have. Um, okay, let's let's move on to 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 the craziest comeback that I that I have seen for not just for years. I, I'm starting to wonder. There's a debate to, to say this is the craziest, the best comeback ever in Serie A history. I mean, Cagliari are three 0 down to Frosinone with 18 minutes to go. They score two goals, but then it's the ninety fourth into the ninety fourth minute. They're losing three three two to Frosinone, and then Pavoletti scores two goals, and they win the second in the ninety seventh minute, and they win four three. Claudio Ranieri's Cagliari, their first win of their season, their first win in fifteen games uh, in Serie A, dating back to the last time they were in Serie A. Um, I mean, Nima, this was this was just what a game this was. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Um, and <laughs> the the thing, I mean, you got to remember, Cagliari missed a penalty too uh, in in the in the first half. Um, it was so. So this was just this was just a completely batshit game. I mean, it's it's one thing to you know to take your first win of the season. I do think this was you know last chance saloon for Claudio Ranieri. I think he would have gotten sacked if they had lost this game, but. They win it, and there's there's winning, and then there's winning in that manner, which creates confidence and belief and wakes the team up. Afterwards, Cagliari was celebrating, taking photos with the crowd and the mascot, like they'd yeah. won the title or something. I mean, oh, no. That, that kind of stuff. Cup. Yeah, no, literally, and that kind of stuff builds character. It builds character, but also builds belief. They believe that they can. That they what they're doing is, you know, they found something to build on, uh, which is really important, and it just spices up that. Uh, that this relegation battle even more. Um, so no, it, it was it was a, it was an incredibly important win. Win. It was, for... an ama- it was just amazing. I mean, it was just an am- it was just amazing to watch. 
and of all the stuff, miracles that Claudio Ranieri's had in his career, this was just another one. In the Leicester story, uh, I mean, this, I mean, it's just, oh, the promotion just a few months ago. I mean, mm-hmm. this tops that promotion probably. I mean, it was, it was. Yeah, but Pavoletti as well. I mean, him aerially, Pavoletti's. Well, he's always been a beast in the air, isn't he? It's just, you know, it's it's crazy. But and Di Francesco. Uh, I mean, if there's anything, any game that epitomizes Di Francesco as well, yeah. is this game, isn't it? They're three nil up. Three nil up, and you can't even win that. <laughs> oh no. It's it, no, it was it was absolutely mad. Um, they were so open, even at three two, and then the, 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 like in into injury time, and they were still like throwing them forward. Like. No, but seriously, if you look at what pa- Pavoletti did, I mean, he came up, he came on at half time. He scores two goals. He has an assist. He wins a penalty, which is overturned. But did you uh, see the winner? Like, there was like they were all queuing up to put it in. <laughs> you know, it's just no, like, but I mean, like talk well, about sub substitution, like you know, impact. Yeah. Come on at half time, score two goals, one assist, win a penalty, which is overturned by VAR. That is about as good as he can get, and um, and I mean, you know, if he's going to continue, you know, he's going to he's going to have to play this good for them in order mm. for for Cagliari to 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 stay up because I do still think that they are not a very good team. Uh, no, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. There's only, I mean, it, this is going to give them so much, so much confidence. Though there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, it's a, in some ways this is a shame. Um, this this result, in that it it took away from what was an absolutely brilliant performance from Matteo Sule. And I, I want us to do a little profile now on Sule because there is an argument to say that he has been. I mean, he's certainly been the the, the big breakout star in Serie A so far this season. But there's an argument to say he's maybe even been the best player in in Serie A this season. I think only Lautaro Martinez can probably argue against that. Um, he's been unbelievable. And I don't think anybody expected Sule to be this good. He was loaned out to Frosinoni from Juventus this past summer after you know struggling to find any space in, in uh, at Juve. And having watched him at Juve uh, last season, I didn't, I didn't expect this. I thought he was someone that was technically very, very gifted with a lovely left foot, great control, great touch. Um, but I didn't see him as somebody that was could be really decisive, that, that really was someone that could really hurt and devastate the opposition. Yet he's come to Frosinone and and he has been, I mean, he's been, he scored five goals already for Frosinone in, in 10 games, two goals in this in this, in this this uh, defeat to, 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 to Cagliari. Uh, he plays as a, as a right winger uh, on the, on the right of a, of a four-three-three, or or with with uh, with with uh, Di Francesco uh, at, at Frosinone on the the right of a four-two-three-one. He has occasionally played as a number ten, but right wing is his is his is his natural role. Um, and he's yeah, as I said, five goals in ten games. He's got one assist. He's been statistically the best dribbler in the league by a mile. He's averaging three point seven dribbles per match. Uh, the next best is Genoa's Albert Goodmanson with 2.2 a game, and then after that, we're looking at double everyone else in anyone else, uh, more than double anyone else in the league uh, per match dribbles. I mean, that just shows you. I mean, he he's a dribbling machine, and I again, having watched him at Juventus, I didn't see him as somebody that could dribble past players for fun. I didn't see him as that kind of player. Um, he's second in Serie A for key passes per game. Only Napoli's 
Piotr Zielinski is is creating more. So he's been as an attacking force, he's been unbelievable um, this season, uh, and you know he's 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 shown. I mean, Juventus tried to sell him in the summer. They they put him up for sale. They were in negotiations with with uh, Bayer Leverkusen, uh, with Borussia Mönchengladbach. There were Italian teams looking at him, but they couldn't agree on a, on a transfer fee that they thought was worthy of, of, of selling him. So they decided in, instead to put him on loan to try and build up his value this way. Um, but now, looking at how good he has been, I mean, he looks like he's somebody that has a future at Juventus and can be a first-team player for, for, for Juventus. I mean, he's been that good. Uh, Luciano Spalletti, the Italy coach, has, has expressed interest. He's Argentine by birth, but that Spalletti has an interest in, in naturalising him and looking at kind of Italy's attack. I mean, I wouldn't be against that. Um, so, yeah, he's been he's been amazing. He's been at Juventus for three years, over three years. He joined as a 16-year-old in the January 2023, so almost four years. He's worked his way up through the next gen, the successful next gen uh, at Juventus. Um, and he's been he's been fantastic. He's been amazing. So he is one everybody should should watch this season. He's a joy to watch. No, he really is, and and those the, the goals he scored yesterday were so were just typical of the goals he scored this season. He just looks like he looks like a player who's really who, who's matured to take uh, the next step. I mean, I don't know if this is just good form or what it is, but he's been very impressive. I've been very impressed, and also against Cagliari, I thought, I mean, scored two very good goals, didn't he? Two two very good goals, and the way that he took that second goal, um, mm, just just that's so, the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. He just made it look so easy, just so yeah. classy, just effortless. He just went past. He went. He just went past the the the, the last man. Uh, sold him the dummy. Come onto his right foot, and then just 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 slotted it past the past the keeper. So so sumptuously. I mean, it was it was. Yeah, that was a truly wonderful finish. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great player to watch. Um, right, rest of the other weekend results. Genoa beat Salernitana 1-0. Uh, Sassuolo drew 1-1 with Bologna. And Torino Torino beat Lecce 1-0 at Lecce. Away. And Monza, yeah, away. And then Monza drew 1-1 with Udinese. Uh, and then on Monday evening games, we've got Empoli-Atalanta and Lazio versus Fiorentina. Um just before we finish with Badger and Prem Face of the Week, um, so the, Sandro Tonali's ban has now been confirmed. He's been banned for 10 months for his, for his illegal betting. Uh, he agreed to a plea deal with the FIGC, which involves a further 10-month suspension. Sorry, a 10-month suspension plus a further eight months of rehabilitative work and 16 public appearances um, where he will educate youngsters about the, the dangers of betting. Um, and that has now been ratified from uh, by by FIFA, so it's a it's a worldwide ban. That's his season over. He'll be out until August 2024. He will miss Euro 2024, which is devastating for for Italy. Um, now you went on to Talk Sport to discuss about this, and um, so I, I, I'll hand this over to you. Now, mm. what what is frustrated me from the start, and I've been very angry about, is the fact that Ivan Tony got an eight month ban when his offences were far more serious than, than Tonali's because he actually bet on his own team um, 29 times, but 13 of them were betting... Sorry, 15... No, 13 of them were betting on his team, own team to lose and 15 on, on himself to score. 232 breaches in total, whereas Tonali never bet on his own team to lose, yet he's got a, he's got a longer ban. So why is this such, an, such a problem? 
No, my, my problem with this is exactly what I said when I was on there with them. Um, we, I mean, I was supposed to be there for just five minutes, but we ended up talking for 25 minutes, uh, the, which I don't, we don't have time to do now. But look, my problem with this is simply this, that I this is a FIFA, pro, this is FIFA prohibiting this. Uh, it's Article 26 of FIFA's Code of Ethics that prevents football professionals from betting on football from betting on, on any football activity. Um, and it's, it includes players, intermediaries, coaches, referees, and so on and so forth. So it's football professionals. They cannot bet on football. And if that's true, it comes from FIFA, meaning the the, the, the global body and head of football, then the the way that these things are imposed, these these sanctions are imposed, and these the way that these rules are interpreted, and, 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 and imposed on, on people who violate them, there should be uniformity, just like there is with doping. You know, they don't leave doping to to say, okay, if you take to, if you if you break the if you have a breach and you you take testosterone, for example, in Italy you get two years, but if you do it in England, you get nine months, like or, or eleven months or thirteen months. I mean, they don't leave it up to that because the World Anti-Doping Agency, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, uh, they, you know, they, they're, this, this comes from them and, and all the national uh, bodies are under them and they have to impose the laws and, and rules impo- that, that, that are in place, right? So it comes from above. And that's where I think this is a problem, that I don't see uniformity in how this is interpreted and, 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 and employed. And this isn't, again, as I said, as I told Jermaine Pennant when he started talking about erroneously saying that, oh, Tony never bet on himself. You know, he wasn't involved in the bets that he played. I was like, well, actually, he bet 15 times on himself to score. That's, that doesn't get much more betting on yourself <laughs> in a game, does it? But I don't want this to deteriorate into this kind of Tony versus Tonali thing because that's, it, that's, that's demeaning to the discussion. The issue is, there's two issues here. First is, this is a FIFA problem, or this is a FIFA um, decision, or this is a FIFA law rule, Article 26 of their Code of Ethics. Okay, they don't want people, football professionals betting, and as such, if it comes from above, there should be a uniform way to handle this. There isn't. And of course, secondly, you have the incredible hypocrisy of football betting, you know, football FAs and leagues and and, and clubs taking money from betting companies while saying, they can't, the players, and, and or not just players, no one in football is allowed to bet. That does not, I mean, this this would be the equivalent of essentially football taking money from uh, subs, like, like um, what do you call it? Uh, like, uh, uh, well, well, what's the word I'm looking for where, where you have, uh, where you take supplements, sorry, health supplements. Like, this would be the equivalent of football taking money. Yeah, from from health supplements that have, or from companies that create health supplements that in, that have substances that are banned, and then they say, "Well, you can't use it because if you," I mean, it just no. It, it's there is a hypocrisy here, and and especially because, well, you know, gambling is a serious addiction. Um, it's a it's a societal problem overall. We have problems with this. It's not just in Italy. It's not just in England. It's, it's everywhere where this is allowed and this is legal. Um, and 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 you know we th- this is becoming a new epidemic, or it is already a new a new epidemic, and and it needs to be treated seriously. 
I don't think, I think that football should, I'm not saying that football created this problem. I'm not saying football can resolve this problem. But football needs to carry its own weight and do its fair share. And it's not doing that right now. No, no, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, we could we could talk about this for longer, but I think we've we've discussed a, discussed it a lot in the last few weeks. And if you want to listen to to more, definitely check out uh, Nimmer's interview on Talksport, which was on which day was that on Thursday, last Thursday. Thursday, yeah, you can you can find that on YouTube. I think Nimmer put it on his um, yeah, I put it on Twitter too. Put it on yeah. Twitter. So if you scroll down his page, you, you will find it. Um, okay, right. Let's finish off with Bad Joe and Prem Face of the Week. Right, Badjo, you've already given, um, mm. which was just Serie A weekend as a whole, because it was amazing. No, no, match day 10. Match day match 10, day 10 yeah. Serie A was just... And it's not over yet. We've still got Monday night games. So yeah, it, it, it was that, that everything that happened was just mental. I mean, with Fiorentina and Lazio's defences, we could have another uh, <laughs> <laughs> another crazy... Uh, crazy I mean, uh, that, that's the thing. I mean, Empoli-Atalanta can go. God knows how that can go. And Lazio, oh, yeah, there could be a lot of goals in that as well. Yeah, it's it's absolutely mental. But yeah, mm. no, no, it's 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 look, it's 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 the Serie A. Like the Serie A is always, um, it's, it's always it's never boring. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's nice to be able to talk about about the the, the good of Serie A again. Mm. I just feel like it's just been all this league is insane. Like <laughs> it really is. It's I do shit. want to give a shout out to Carlo Ancelotti as well for for winning the Classico and and mm. especially his his. Uh, I mean, it was amazing just how cool he is. He just keeps so cool, um, Carlo Ancelotti. Like. The way that he he reacted to, I mean, Jude Bellingham, I guess, oh. an insane goal. But the way that he reacted, just like everyone around him is just going mad. He's like the, you know, that famous meme where where there's like um, the burning in the background and yeah, the dog is. Oh, just like, yeah, yeah. This is fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's no, fine. but no, he's he's always very very calm. Yeah. And and Carlo Ancelotti is just he's he's become he's really I mean what he's doing at Real Madrid this second time around is is, is even more impressive than what he did the first time by far. And and it's. The no, he, he, Carletto is. It's shame. I think he's going to be a, a, together with Capello. Is going to be another great Italian manager, never to coach the Italian national team, which I think is shame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, prem face of the week. Um, do you have one? I, I've just been sent one. Just, okay. just this minute. Okay. Well, uh, no, no. What, what have you got? So I've just got um, a. I've just been told that. Uh, Good morning, Britain, which is which is a morning talk show um, in um, in 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 England. Um, we're doing a, a segment on the David Beckham Rebecca Luce affair, which was part of the, the documentary um, that's been on Netflix, which has been a re- really good documentary actually uh, on, on on Netflix on, on David Beckham. Um, but they instead of using footage, they were using footage of David Beckham when he was at Real Madrid. But instead of using footage of, of Beckham, they used footage of Gooty. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty oh impressive. Pretty God. impressive even for That a is amazing. How do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they're both blonde. But apart from that... Yeah, but David Beckham is pretty famous in England, isn't he? Well, that's what I mean. I mean, this, this is quite impressive even for a Prem face to, to, to this do this. This is just unbelievable. The Prem faces are usually kind of... They, they're usually up to date with their, their, their English uh, affairs. You know, yes, they should be. Wow, that is brilliant. That is that is that's yeah. impressive. That is yeah. in and of itself absolutely impressive. If mm. that's true, I mean, Jesus. No, it's just been sent in on a WhatsApp chat that um that I'm I'm part of. 
and uh, <laughs> our friend Ronan, our friend Ronan Murphy said Gucci. maybe she, Ronan Murphy oh, says maybe dude. she had the affair with Gooty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ronan, shit stirrer, isn't he? <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, yeah, that is that is that is impressive. That, that is, is absolutely is. impressive, even by <laughs> like that. Not knowing, I mean, how do you get Beckham wrong? Wow! I don't know. I know that's, that is that's, impressive. That's that's as you, would, as you would say, a new level of preface. Yeah, that is unlocked. a new level. That is a new level unlocked. I mean, new David secret, Beckham. new secret level unlocked. <laughs> new, not not no. I mean, getting David Beckham wrong. I mean, <laughs> that is just wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, if you ever watch Good Morning Britain, you'd know. Yes, that. please, yeah. please send that link us if you do. Because I don't know. I haven't got it. I, I haven't got the footage. I've just been sent it in a text. Sweet but, yeah, I'd like. I would like to see it myself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that is impressive. On that <laughs> note, let's leave it at that. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday for the for the Q and A, and then we're back on Thursday for our, our usual midweek uh, show. So um, until then, ciao, ciao.